This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Trey. Thank you for joining us for another Tuesday edition of our podcast. And this is a real treat for me. I have followed our guests today since I was old enough to follow anyone who won a Heisman Trophy National Championship. It was a offensive genius. Um, and I don't use that word very often, but he was. He was an offensive genius. He coached at Duke and Florida and the University of South Carolina. A wonderful sense of humor. Um, a legend. Uh, in college football, Coach Steve Spurrier. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for being with us. Okay, Trey, nice to be with you up there in Spartanburg. I tell you, that area is one of the most beautiful in the country, and I know everybody lives there, loves living in that Spartanburg-Greenville area. Yes, sir, we do. And uh, you took uh, you took a guy named Marcus Lattimore out of our area, who, for me, was my favorite college football player. Yeah, he was probably, uh, I-, I say, one of the best players to ever play at South Carolina, certainly, and uh, very unfortunate to have that severe injury that he had there. And uh, but what a wonderful young man, his mom and dad and everyone, and uh, it's, it's always good to see Marcus. He's an inspiration to a lot of youngsters all over the country. Yes, sir, he is. Well, well speaking of inspiration, if I have it correct, you grew up the son of a minister. Oh, tell us what a young Steve Spurrier was like. What were you like growing up? My dad was a Presbyterian minister uh, his whole life until, I guess, he retired. And uh, But he was a huge sports fan. And baseball was pretty much uh, the sport. He, he coached our Little League teams and then even the Babe Ruth team and so forth. But he encouraged uh, my brother and I. My brother was three years older. Sister, one year older. I was the baby. So trying to beat big brother in one-on-one basketball and so forth was really helpful to me to develop his football, basketball, whatever sport we were playing. But anyway, my dad, uh, yeah, he uh, he was quite a competitor. He hated losing. And uh, even though he's a minister, he was not a calm coach. Uh, he would tell the team, he said, fellas, we're going to try to win the game because that's why we keep scoring. If they weren't keeping score today, we could come out here and just hit and loaf down the first base and whatever. But we're keeping score, and anytime you keep in score, you got to try your best to win. That's what we're supposed to do. So uh, anyway, he was a, a wonderful inspiration, uh, not only to all the church people in his Presbyterian churches over the years, but uh, to his family, certainly. You know, it sounds crazy to ask a Heisman Trophy winner this question. That is, that is the highest award you can get in college mm-hmm. football. But I have read that there were some people who thought you were better in basketball than you were football, and some people thought you were better in baseball than you were mm-hmm. football. So is that true, yeah. and why did you pick football? Oh, very true, Trey. Uh, growing up, 
eye-hand coordination, I was blessed with that. I mean, there wasn't a lot of athletes in the Spurrier family. I, I did have an uncle play tennis, was very good. Uh, one of the North Carolina uh, state amateur and uh, was tennis pro at Charlotte Country Club for a while uh, back in the 70s, 80s, I think. But anyway, uh, yeah, eye-hand coordination I could do. I could not run fast. I wasn't real thick and big, stuff like that. In fact, my buddies, when I was in junior high, they said, Steve, you'll quit football when you get to high school because you're no good in football. And I said, well, I can punt and kick. I was a punter and kicked off, actually, also my sophomore year. And uh, I guess I grew a little taller, and uh, our our coach uh, put in a little bit of a pass game. And uh, my junior year in high school, uh, I started playing quarterback in senior year and uh, got a bunch of scholarship offers. And, uh, and now in basketball, we – we won the conference uh, about every year there in Johnson City, but we'd get beat in the region right before the state tournament. We couldn't, I think Kingsport knocked us out both times. But then we'd beat Kingsport in baseball. So baseball was our sport. We uh, won the state championship my junior and senior year. Won the conference, district, region, and the state. So that's still the only sport I ever I played that we won it all. I tell everybody we won it all in baseball, high school baseball. Uh but anyway, uh, I was uh, almost 6'2", I, I think, coming out of high school. So back then, I was a tall quarterback, and uh, I just felt like uh, football might be a sport. And I could play after college and uh, because I wasn't real fast. and wasn't I couldn't dunk a basketball or anything like that. So I sort of chose football. And, uh, University of Florida, Coach Graves offered me a chance to come down here. So that's uh, how it pretty much started. Well, this is going to make every volunteer fan uh, not happy with me for asking that, this question, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Am I correct that Tennessee offered you a scholarship, but just not in football? Oh, no, they offered me a scholarship. Uh, I had a whole bunch of offers, but uh, Tennessee was actually still in the old single wing. So uh, I don't know where I would have played there. Uh, Alabama offered me a scholarship, but they already had Joe Namath and Steve Sloan down there. and Coach Bryan said, well, if you don't beat them out, you can always play safety. Yeah, so I said, I'm, I don't know if I want to go play safety. But uh, Florida was just the best opportunity. And, uh, you know, the opportunity to come down here to school I hadn't done much. And to tell you the truth, Trey, I'd like, uh, as a player and as a coach, I, I'd like to try to do things that never happened before. And that's why it was so much fun at South Carolina. Uh, you know, winning 11 games in a season, winning 18 straight home games, Beating Clemson five in a row. I mean, I go on and on the first time in school history. Uh, I love that first time in school history that happened. And uh, certainly we did a whole bunch of those down here at Florida also. Did you really call your own plays in college? And can you ever imagine a current college quarterback doing that? No, they don't do it anymore. But, uh, oh, yeah, I did uh, call them back then. Uh, Heck, I called them in high school, too. That's just the way we did it uh, back in those days. But uh, every now and then they send play in. So I, and, and I usually would always call the one they sent in. So uh, anyway, that, uh, that was uh, – uh, I actually called a few games in uh, pro football. We weren't doing very good back in, when I was with the 49ers. And uh, I asked the head coach, Coach, just let me call the plays. We can't be any worse. And we ended up winning that game against the L.A. Rams. So I called them two or three more games, but it didn't work out as well as that one. Uh, so I think uh, uh, the coaching staff went back to calling them. 
We're going to take a quick break. More of my interview with Coach Steve Spurrier is next. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is a simple-minded question, Coach, but I think other people have it. How much of success in college football is coaching and how much of it is recruiting? Well, I think it's, it's all of that, of course. Uh, coaching and talent uh, certainly go together. Uh, but a big thing that uh, that I think is the most important is the attitude and effort of your players. Uh, I, I'm sort of proud the first year uh, that I coached at uh, some places, we did pretty good. In fact, down here in Florida, we won the SEC. In South Carolina, gosh, we lost a couple of close ones. but We, we had a winning season, but we beat Tennessee and Florida. And uh, prior 13 years, South Carolina had won one of those. So they, we were 1-25 against Tennessee and Florida, and we beat both Tennessee and Florida in 05. So the, the odds on that happening weren't very good. Uh, but things like that uh, were fun to do the first year. You don't have to say, you know, I got to wait and build up our talent and give us two or three years, nothing like that. So I think I think every team has good players. And the ones that believe they're good enough to win, they'll maybe go out and find a way to do it. And uh, the coaches inspire them and put them in position to go play. Uh, I think that's extremely important. I talked yesterday to a guy that you're familiar with named Shane Beamer. If I'm not mistaken, he may have been a recruiting coordinator. It was, it was either Shane or Steve Spurrier Jr. that was a recruiting coordinator. And you had this amazing run of not just Lattimore, but mm-hmm. Jadavion Clowney, I think Stephon Gilmore, Alshon Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. What was your approach to recruiting? I mean, were, were, were you always on the phone, always writing letters and texting, or would you be kind of the closer at the end that they would bring in on a, on a young student athlete? Oh, I think a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. Uh, back, back in those days, coaches did not overkill with recruiting. They, uh, we had a time to do it. I think you could only like call once a week uh, until right during recruiting season, then I guess you could call every night. So there was limits that made it uh, really comfortable for all the coaches. You can only do so much. Nowadays, uh, I think there's no limit how many letters or calls you can make and this, that, and the other. Uh, yeah, Beamer uh, left after 10, though. He wasn't there 11, 12, and 13. But he did help recruit uh, a bunch of those guys uh, that played in 9, 9 and 10, and 11, and so forth. Um, one of the things I remember about you and Duke is for the longest time you would – give them a vote, I think, in the AP Mm -hmm. Top 25 because, uh, I guess, because they took a chance on you. Um, And it turned out pretty good because (laughs) you did things at Duke that have never been done since. Tell us about your time at Duke. Well, I'd coached there before, uh, and then I went, got a chance to be the head coach at Tampa Bay Bandits, USFL. And uh, we were 35 and 19, and we were uh, first or second in the league in offense every year. So I don't know how big a dang chance they were taking. <laughs> they went 13 and 31 with the coach uh, before we got there. So anyway, but uh, it, it was uh, an opportunity to go to Duke and, and coach those guys. And uh, 
Amazingly, there was a lot of good players already there. And uh, we played four different quarterbacks in the three years I was there. And uh, we, we set about all the offensive records, including running the ball. A lot of people keep talking about air ball and all this. Uh, but our running backs, uh, we had a thousand yard rusher at Duke and Randy Cuthbert in 89, the year we won the ACC. And then down here at Florida, Eric Retz, the leading rusher in school history. So to me, you got to run and throw it. Don't just throw it all the time. You got to got to do both. When you are evaluating a high school quarterback, what are the qualities? Because if I have it right, I, I mean, Shane Matthews, if I have it correct, was not even on the depth chart at Florida, and yet you turned him into, what, an all-SEC and maybe a pro quarterback. So five-star recruit was not necessary for you to win with a quarterback. What was necessary? Well, when we got here in 90, there was about five quarterbacks, I think, on scholarship. Shane was one of them, and uh, I think he was listed about number five because he'd been here two years. And maybe went in one play at the end of a game. I, I, I'm not sure. But he, he wasn't in the picture. And I asked a bunch of Gators, I said, which one do you think should be the quarterback? And not a one of them said Shane Matthews. They didn't even know he was on the team. Uh, so we uh, we go out to practice and, and just rotating them out, you know, rotating them out. Our first scrimmage, he didn't even get in the scrimmage. That's how far down the list he was. I, I, I put four other guys out there. Uh, but then the next scrimmage, I got him in. And then the spring game that year, he uh, threw three touchdowns and was like eight of 11 and had an excellent game. And, uh, and, and pretty soon he won the job in preseason. And uh, was he any good his first year? He was SEC player of the year in the conference, his first and second year. Third year, we were a little light, especially in the offensive line. We had about two freshman offensive tackles starting. So he didn't have quite as good a year, but it, it, it was still a good year. We got to the SEC championship game and took Alabama right to the wire, uh, but they got that interception that uh, uh, won the game for them. Which I was not going to bring up. Um, but that is a an often replayed – I guess that was the first SEC championship first one. Alabama was number one in the nation. They were number one in total defense, run defense, pass defense, almost every category. And uh, – I mean, we couldn't block him, but we could get the ball out quickly. Shane could take five hits and throw and as, as quick as any QB I think I've ever uh, coached. And the interception, it was unfortunate. It was uh, a guy ran a hitch, but he ran about eight yards. And uh, Antonio Langham made a heck of a play. He said later, somebody's got to make a play. I'm going to try to do it. So he actually hid behind him. And when Shane fired it, he came from the backside. He came around and picked it off and went for a touchdown. I, I've never seen that before or since, uh, that you pick off a hitch pass from the bench side, you know. But that's the way it happened. And uh, But we got him the next year. I, I said, I, it's okay to lose that one. Get him the next year and the next year. Uh, so anyway, that's just the way it worked out. I am uh, sitting here in amazement at your ability to recall information from mm -hmm. 20 30 years ago, I, I've i seen one other person that could do that, uh, and that was Lou Holtz. He could tell you what they called on third and five when he was at William and Mary. Uh, and mm -hmm. I asked him, was there a call you wish you had back? Oh. Is there one that Steve Spurrier wishes? Oh, I have about 25 I uh, wish I had back. Uh, most of them were when we had the lead and uh, maybe a first down would put the game away, and we, we were too conservative. Tried to run for it, maybe, 
Yeah, the other team scored one game. Uh, that happened eh, four or five times, something like that. So those are always ones, well, you know, why don't you just stay aggressive a little bit more and, and so forth. So, yeah, there, there's plenty that I wish I had back, sure. Is there a defensive coordinator that you had, I don't want to say more respect for than others, but one that, that got your attention when you knew you were going to be on the other side from him? Oh, maybe the ones that had those defensive linemen that we couldn't block. Uh, but we didn't stay back there a long time. And uh, so we, we avoided a lot of sacks by not hesitating and, you know, and looking around the way all these quarterbacks nowadays do. Uh, so that's one thing our, our QBs were good about is making quick decisions, uh, getting the ball out of their hands. Uh, we didn't have many that were great runners. Uh, Connor Shaw was probably the best uh, there at South Carolina as far as a running quarterback. So he could make things happen uh, running where most of the other guys were pretty much passers, but they could dart up in there and make seven or eight yards uh, every now and then. Other coaches that you that you competed against, um, you know, it does not take long to find. I mean, I mentioned that you have a good sense of humor. I, I, I thought it was really funny. You, you said some things when you were coaching that I thought were just genius. Uh, But yet it also seemed like maybe the object of the barb also liked you. So I'm thinking, I guess, Phil Fulmer in particular, I think you may have said you can't spell citrus without a U and a T. But yet I read that that, that y'all actually got along pretty well with each other. So what is the dynamic between competing coaches? And for the most part, do you get along off the field? Oh, I think I got along with uh, pretty much all the coaches, Uh, all the corny things that I said uh, were in the summertime. Uh, now, in the summertime, back in the 90s, I had to do 21 or 22 Gator Clubs. So we usually go play golf somewhere and have the Gator Club meeting that night. And so I'm just talking to Gators. They want to hear something funny. And uh, some of the guys with the Gator Clubs and all this would tell me some corny joke. So I would tell it at the meeting when I got up to talk. Uh, but during the season, I didn't. I didn't talk those things and so forth. In fact, uh, I saw Paris Price, the Tennessee wide receiver, uh, back in uh, at one of the SEC. Uh, they introduced some of the legends and so forth. He and I went into the SEC Hall of Fame, I think it was, or something, in Atlanta. And I was talking to him a little bit, and he said, Coach, we only lost uh, three SEC games my four years at Tennessee, and they were all to you guys. I started thinking, dang, that is right in it. And, uh, of course, 98, they beat us. In 97, after we beat them, we lost two games. So they, they won the SEC those two years and the national. But he said uh, he said that bit about uh, you can't spell citrus bowl without a UT in it, that really ticked us off. But now I think it's sort of funny. <laughs> so it, it was just supposed to be, you know, some funny in the offseason and go from there. Well, that leads me to want to ask you about the media. Um, I used to be in a line of work mm-hmm. where I had to deal with them from time to time. And it was one of the more frustrating parts of my job. I watch your successor, Shane Beamer, handle the media. Muschamp had a very different way. What was your approach to those media scrums where someone who maybe didn't know a whole lot about football was asking you questions about football? Oh, that didn't uh, didn't bother me one way or the other. The only thing that, that would irritate me is when they wrote something that wasn't true. And 
I, I said, you know that wasn't true, what you wrote, don't you? Well, that's what I heard. Well, no, no, that's, this wasn't true. And so I get irritated at guys that uh, make up stories or something. And, uh, in fact, I guess the one that comes to mind, there was a writer there in Columbia, and he wrote that uh, I taught Bruce Ellington to quit the basketball team to come play football. And uh, he, and he wrote that in the paper. He said basketball coaches are really ticked off at Spurrier for recruiting him off the basketball team. I said, you know, that's not true, don't you? I said, we're open. Anybody wants to come over. You know who recruited Bruce off the basketball team? Marcus Lattimore. <laughs> Marcus said, man, why don't you come over and play with us? Because Bruce was an excellent high school quarterback, but he came over and played wide receiver, uh, played pro football a bunch. Uh, he was an excellent basketball player, but uh, I don't think he had played in the NBA. So anyway, uh, I had a little falling out with that guy, and uh, so he was sort of off limits. But he wouldn't change it. He said he heard it from somebody in the basketball office. I don't think anybody in the basketball office said that. But anyway, it wasn't true, and he was going to stick with his guns on it. More of my conversation with Coach Steve Spurrier is coming up. If you were running college football today, what would you change? Are there are there things you would change about the way college football is is run today? Yeah, I think we got a real problem with all this uh, NIL and transfer rules and so forth. Uh, someone said we're just like the NFL now, pro football. And I said, no, we're not. Because pro football's got rules. You know, they got rules. Uh, once you sign with the team, I think you have to stay there three years before you become a free agent. And then you obviously can go anywhere. And uh, they have a draft. So you don't pay guys uh, before they get there. Uh, you sort of pay them uh, on merit. After they do very well, then they have a chance to earn whatever uh, they're worth. But uh, in college now with the, the uh, new rules, uh, it's uh, just guys transfer, seems like about every year. I mean, you could go transfer, get a bunch of money. They paid to transfer now. And uh, you could quit even before the season starts and transfer somewhere else. So it's, uh, I always wish that uh, we'd kept the recruiting rules pretty much similar. But then after a player got to whatever college he wants to go to, he could do any kind of endorsement uh, that, that's available. Uh, it, it's a, a deal now that, you know, whoever maybe can pay the most guys, although Texas A&M and Miami, they paid out a bunch and, they didn't get much back. So I, I don't know. It doesn't build team camaraderie that this guy's getting 200, 300,000. This guy's getting 15 or 20. But that's the way we're doing it right now. And if you're in college ball, you just got to adapt to it and jump in there and do what everybody else is doing, I guess. All right. I got a couple more questions, and I'm going to let right. you go to the golf course or wherever, wherever you go. But Jerry Spurrier, um, maybe not as – Famous as her husband, but not far behind. In fact, I think when I went on a tour, I went on a tour with Coach Beamer not long ago. I think the field may be named for you and Jerry Spurrier, your wife. Indoor facility. The indoor facility has got uh, Jerry's and my name on it. Uh, Dodie Anderson, who was from the upstate there, she gave the money uh, for the indoor facility. And uh, she told her athletic director, I want to put Jerry and Steve Spurrier name on the facility. So when Coach Tanner called me up, he said, we're going to put your name on the indoor facility. 
I said, you don't have to do that if you don't. If you got a big don't, they said, no, no. The lady giving the money said, I ain't giving the money unless you put both of their names on there. But yeah, Jerry was uh, has been was a big influence and still is uh, everywhere I went. She took care of uh, the, the the coaches, families uh, uh, before the game. They have a little get together, parents before the game, and so forth. Uh, coaching staff, uh, family and kids. She sat out in the stadium. She didn't sit in the luxury suite. So that's how I was able to give half a million to South Carolina. I said, y'all go ahead and sell that luxury suite around 50000 a year, I think is what they sold it for. So anyway, she uh, was a big reason for whatever success I had as a coach. Big reason. When I talk to people that know you or when I told them I was going to have a chance to talk to you, I'd say the word genius comes up, but the word competitive comes up. Are you still competitive? And how do you uh, meet that competitive mm-hmm. desire if you're if you're no longer playing, no longer coaching? Well, I'm still attempting to play golf. <laughs> Don't play near like I used to, but uh, obviously, when you get over seventy five, you get to play way up there. So, uh, in fact, uh, Reynolds Plantation uh, next week, I'm going up there. They have a the Peach Bowl has a, a little coaches golf tournament. Uh, I've been going to since. Uh, I played it with Sterling Sharp. Sterling and I won it uh, back-to-back years, and uh, I haven't won it since. I don't think Sterling can really play. But, uh, yeah, I, I still try to play golf and uh, try to do about everything I used to do, just, just not quite as well. Steve Spurrier is In there. fact, I actually uh, I played with Coach Beamer in it last year. He and I teamed up, and we just didn't putt well. We It's a you know two-man scramble usually, and we missed a bunch of six, eight-footers. You know, we have four or five, something like that. And uh, that's the difference between winning and losing in those events. Uh, but we actually, we played decent, but not, not quite good enough to win. Well, he tells a story, and he's told it publicly, so I'm not divulging. He tells it all the time, but <laughs> I can tell you right now, I can never remember telling a guy in our group to go to another group. So I'm going to say his story is false. And uh, well, he tells it all the time, though. As if it really is true. Uh, but I remember he was nervous that first day he played with us. But I do not remember ever telling a guy, go play with somebody else. Well, I will Maybe say he this. Felt like that. A guy that can remember what he called 30 years ago on a yeah. third and five must have a pretty good memory. So if you – he loves to say after the first hole you yeah. sent him to another group, because he wasn't playing well. He loves to tell that story. So, Yeah, I saw uh, one of the guys at Newscaster there, uh, Henry, what's his first name? And I said, you know I wouldn't do anything like that. He said, well, he tells that story all the time. And I said, well, I don't know why he tells it, but I, I certainly have no memory. And my memory is pretty good. In fact, I did a cameo for a guy that uh, went to West Point, but now he's doing something else and blah, blah, blah. Just sat there and started talking about football. And I said, uh, I've had one game against Army. Uh, when I was at Duke back in 89, we beat him 35-29. So the guy during the cameo with me looked it up. He said, you beat him 35-29. I said, yeah, the scores just sort of stick with me. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, you know, whoever's got the microphone is usually right. So if he wants to keep <laughs> telling that one, I guess he's going to keep telling it. Well, I don't know how good his yeah. memory is, but yours is pretty doggone good if you can remember yeah. – yeah. What Shane Matthews was in a in a spring game, uh, eight of eleven. That's a eight pretty good 11. memory. Three touchdown passes. Yep. 
Coach yeah. Steve Spurrier, this has been a treat. I've uh-huh. seen you once in life. You were playing golf, and a, and a mutual friend of ours named Rick Veith was caddying for you, but I did not want to bother you uh, while you were playing golf in a tournament. But uh, this is a treat for me. I thank you for what you did for college football and especially for my beloved South Carolina Gamecocks. Well, hopefully, uh, Trey, we're going to have a reunion this year. And uh, 10 years uh, ago was well, 2013. And that team uh, was 11-2 and finished fourth in the nation, uh, which is the highest finish ever in school history. So we're going to celebrate that team as well as the 12 12- 11 and 10. Let's bring them all back together. 10, 11, 12, 13. And those uh, were some of the best four years in school history. And uh, what what I like during those four years is that uh, against Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Clemson, uh, 16 games, uh, we were 13 and three against those four. So when you get in the habit of beating those four teams uh, in South Carolina, you you got into another level. So hopefully, uh, you know, Coach Beamer and his guys can get at that level. We beat uh, Tennessee and Clemson last year and uh, didn't beat Florida, Georgia. Beat Florida the year before, though. So anyway, they're doing pretty well there. Doing yes, very sir. well. Yes, sir. Okay. Coach Steve Spurrier, thank you so much. Uh, I hope I get to see you in person at some point. But if not, um, I can check this off the list of famous people that I wanted to meet that I have now finally met. Okay, thanks, Trey. You take care. Listen ad-free with a Fox News podcast plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.